0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 my friends. It's a, it's a. The sun is actually out. Heard it was supposed to rain here in Philadelphia, but it hasn't done that today so far. And I'm going to an event after this. I hope the rain holds off. But I want to welcome all of you to Blog Talk Radio and Blake, Talk, Blake Radio, because we also air over on Blake Radio as well as Blog Talk Radio, to Off the Shelf for this Saturday, the last Saturday in April, April twenty eighth, two 2012. Thank you so much for being here with us. It is an absolute joy to have you here. For those who are our many, many loyal listeners who have been tuning in to Off the Shelf, we are headed into our eighth year on the radio. For those of you who have been here with us, so many of those years, or maybe even all of those years. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For those who are tuning in for the first time, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney. And as I always tell you, I'm coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And again, I thank you for your support. And I encourage you, don't let another day pass before you pick up a copy of my new book, Love pour over me. It's a story that recounts the the different tumultuous yet triumphant life experiences that Raymond Clark, an outstanding a uh, 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 track athlete and and very intelligent uh, uh, a guy who wins a scholarship to a prestigious university, where he meets a motley sort of friends, each with an intriguing story of his own. And just when Raymond thought he was free from his past, he finds himself pulled into an unresolved murder. And his efforts from his childhood, the pain he experienced as a child, to go unscathed by romance, they also threaten to keep him from the one woman he's truly loved, the one woman he was born to love. Pick up your copy. Of love for over me at any digital retailer today. The book will be available in print in about a week or two, and I'll let you know as soon as that comes out. But you can get it now at Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, Ingram Digital, iTunes, Google Reader, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you can start enjoying love for over me today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. Our special guest today is Marlene Banks. Marlene is the Ministry Director at Lifeline Mission of the Gospel. She has a Theology degree from Rima Bible Institute. She is also the author of the book, Ruth's Redemption. Again, that's Ruth's Redemption. It's a new book scheduled to market in February. Well, it already did. It came out February of 2012 which is still a new book because that's only about two months ago. Marlene is currently participating in a virtual book tour hosted by Ty Webb and Creations, one of my favorite creative firms out here. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Marlene. Hi, how are you? Glad to so, be here. I am absolutely blessed and looking forward to today's interview. I've seen your book When I've been on the Internet doing my, whether it's research work for clients or whether I've been marketing my own book, Love For Over Me, I've come across Ruth's Redemption. So I'm very interested to hear what you share with us and our many listeners here at Off the Shelf this morning Uh, to begin. And there's just so much about your book that I'm interested in, particularly, and it leads into the first question I'm going to ask you, the time period that you set your book in, uh, I think years ago, I don't know if people always created a book that was in a different time period than they lived in. My, my thought is no, but I always think how much how much research goes into that. So our, my first question is, why did you choose, Marlene, to set Ruth's redemption in the 1800s? We're talking over like 200 years from what today's present time is.
1: Well, I'm a very low-key history buff, first of all, okay. and I set out to write my first historical romance. And so considering the history of African Americans, I thought that the slave era was a crucial point in our history, in this country. So that's why I picked that period. Wow. So have you always been interested since you were like
0: maybe a young a young person or a child or a young woman with with those events, let's say if you didn't write a book, but were have you always had an interest in that time period? A lot of people don't even really too much think about it, but did you have you always had an interest in that period in our country's history?
1: Well, that's a good question because I never had a strong interest in it until Roots was out. Okay. When Ruth came out, it piqued my interest in the slave era. But today, I really didn't think Ruth would be very popular because I didn't think people cared about it, especially the younger generation. Right. I didn't think they were all that interested in the slave era. So I'm pleasantly surprised that people still have an appetite to learn about that crucial period in American history.
0: Wow! Yeah, and 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 it and it, it if when we don't either learn from the past or don't let it go, it continues to impact us and influence us. I think it does. Yeah. It does benefit to learn about it. How much research? Oh my goodness! We're going back like two hundred years. How much research did you do for the book? Did you? Did you talk to people, certainly that didn't live in that time, but could get you as close as possible, even if they could only take you back 70 years? Uh, you're going back, you know, as close as you can. Did you do that? Did you, did you go to libraries and just dig through books, listening to any audio tapes, watching any videos that were available from that time period? How much research and what type of research did you do as you created Ruth's Redemption?
1: I I had to do quite a bit of research and um I didn't really talk to people. I pulled on my own memory of the older generation like my grandparents. I did a lot of reading research. Um of slave era documentation, of sla- other slave era novels I read. I even at the, at the point when I decided to definitely do a slave era historical I um, I bought a DVD of Roots, and okay. I it, and I basically did reading research and just sort of like kicking in your memory of things that you've seen in movies and so forth. Okay. But my re- and I've also I'd also did online research.
0: Wow, is there a lot out here on the internet? I know it's a yeah. lot. of Roots.
1: You've been surprised quite this quite a bit.
0: Wow, because roots got a lot of people tracing their own personal roots, and there's a TV show that comes on. I can't remember the name of the host, but he traces people's family roots back
1: they on the show. About, uh
0: Henry Louis Gates. Yes, 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 and he, they're shocked. They're shocked to learn. Yes. You know, you're actually related to such and such, or so and so. They're exactly. shocked. It's at, a, at some point we're all connected, but many think everyone of the of African descent. In America, was a slave early in the country's history, but this isn't the case. There were there were uh, Africans who, well, some people say Africans were here even before uh, Christopher Columbus and the Europeans came to the country. That Africans, you know, lived in America with with when Native Americans yes. populated the country more broadly. And it's just a shame what happens has happened to Native Americans. Somebody asked me who was the most discriminated and people made to be invisible, I would say Native Americans. They I, have, think, they, I, think, they, I agree. They have African
1: Americans beat by a long shot. And yes, point, they do. Yes, they do. They, and they, one of the reasons is because their numbers dwindled almost to nothing. Yeah. But our numbers grew. And if people know the history which I learned during my research is that Native Americans they actually tried to enslave the Native Americans first. We were the second choice. We weren't the first pick. They mm-hmm. tried to enslave the Native Americans, but they couldn't because the Native Americans knew the land. They were constantly escaping, and once they escaped, they couldn't find them. They couldn't get them. And Native Americans would not procreate in captivity. Some of them would starve themselves to death. They shut down. They wouldn't, and they wouldn't procreate. So that experiment failed. So the next choice was okay. Slavery was. Very prominent in other places of the world, like Europe, and so they said, "Well, let's since it's you know prominent in Europe and stuff, let's bring the African slave to America."
0: And that's how
1: we got here as slaves.
0: And also in the Middle East. Middle East slavery was. Yes, slavery was also practiced in the Middle East. A lot of it was in it, not just in. It's in a lot of different parts of the world, but here in America, it was e- extremely brutal. But uh, it was practiced in a lot of different parts of the yeah. world, and it probably so it was, goes on to some actually, extent. That
1: actually, it was brutal everywhere, even in Europe. It was brutal also. Yeah. Um I think it lasted the longest here, though. Yeah. It, it, it uh, lasted longer here in this country. But thank but, God. Slavery was, like you say, in the Middle East, and that's something else I learned from my research, that um, actually the first people who instituted African slavery was the Arabs. Yes. And at first, the Europeans had to purchase their African slaves from the Arabs. And what happened was they decided that, well, why are we uh, buying it? Why don't we just go capture our own? Mm. paying them money, we'll just go capture our own.
0: You know, it's just, it, and, I, and I don't want to get off topic. But when, we Turn so come to, when we come to see one another, not as human beings, but as do, dollar signs, and we, we do that even today with a lot of marketing and promoting and social media, it's almost like you don't even think you're talking to a human anymore. Just buy my book, buy my CD, Absolutely. buy my product. And <laughs> we're humans? Yes, yes. Actually talking to human beings here, so not to look at people like they're dollar signs. Why did you include free and enslaved characters? And I love that you did that. I love that you did that. But why did you decide to do that in Ruth's Redemption?
1: Because I think that was the makeup of the... Um... African Americans at that time. There were free African Americans. The majority were slaves, but there were sprinkled amounts of Af- uh, free African Americans. So I just wanted to make a realistic, true picture of what the population was like at that time.
0: Okay. Now this this question really is one I'm I'm really interested in hearing your response to. When I read the synopsis for Ruth's Redemption, this question popped up in my head. Is this based on real-life events? I mean, did you change? I know you maybe changed names or whatnot. Is it based on a real-life event, a story you read about, or maybe a combination of real-life events or people? And if not, what process did you use to create and develop the book's characters?
1: Ruth's Redemption is a fiction with the real life event of the Nat Turner rebellion. That is Ah, uh, okay. But the rest of it is totally fiction.
0: Okay. Wow, very very interesting. Very interesting and I'm thinking about Harriet Tubman, a book I read about her. She's my one of my heroines and she was supposed to have been involved in that uh, the Nat Turner uh um incident but she she was able she was a very spiritual woman and that's how she never got caught and the, never lost anybody on the underground railroad when she when she led the way uh, something just told her don't not to go then it it wasn't supposed to turn out the way it turned out from what i understood in reading the book about harriet but um she could have been involved in that and she something in her spirit said don't go And she didn't. But, you know, there's just so much about these stories that you have to dig and research to find out more about. Can you tell us about Ruth? What's her background and what's going on in her life at the start of Ruth's redemption?
1: Uh, At the start, she's on the slave auction block Mm. um, being sold. And she's a breeding slave. She's a young woman. Who was used for a breeding slave? Mm. Was old enough, and she's a very bitter woman.
0: Wow! I, 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 oh my goodness! You know, when I hear these, when I hear what happened during slavery, and then I hear how people say uh, African Americans are such and such a way. It's almost like, do you know you actually conditioned some of us to be that way? And now you 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 actually coached it, conditioned it to happen. You actually shaped the clay, and now you're saying something's wrong with the way the shape the shape of the clay. And you did it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, shaped it that way. One of the things why, that bothers me that um a lot of the younger generation say they don't care about slavery anymore. They're not interested. Not just the younger people, but what they have to realize is. Slavery shaped yes. African American culture. Our culture came out of an enslaved culture. We yes, I get away from that. We can be as prosperous as we want to be. We can live up on the hill, drive a Bentley, speak perfect English, and have 44 degrees. But our culture still came out an enslaved condition. And those things that happened within that slavery affects how we react as individuals, as a community within the family, whether we want to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. There was a time when we were very communal in African America, and that came from slavery. It came from people raising people's kids. Like they say, it takes a village. That came from slavery, how we eat. Look at how we eat. And those of us who still eat pork, and I'm one of them, it came from slavery. Our and, and, how we eat came from slavery. How we relate to each other came from slavery. The, a lot of good things came out of slavery, the closeness, the, the supporting each other, uh, watching each other's back, but also bad things came out of slavery, like yeah. um, skin tone prejudice, yeah,
0: and
1: prominent in the African-American community, the light-skinned versus the dark skin. There are mm-hmm. a lot of things about our culture that came directly as a result of slavery. So mm-hmm. we should look at it, not be bitter about it, not get crazy about it, don't dwell on it and don't keep beating a drum, but look at it, examine it for what it is, and take the good and try to change the bad.
0: Yes. Yeah, who 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 is? And well said, uh, Marlene. Who is Bo, Bo, and what makes him different? Now, now Ruth's been, you said, a breeding slave, so she's just used. You know, the ha- ha- guy has sex with her, and she gets pregnant, and yes, to have so they, they can ha- so they, so they they can have again not looked at as a human, being looked at as just a, help me make more money, help me make more money. You're not even a human being. Yeah. to me anymore but who who is Bo and what makes him different with the the background you just gave us from her which I think she would probably not want to let anybody get close to her heart but who is Bo and what makes him different from other men that Ruth's met
1: well Bo is a free black man but he was not born a free black man he was born a slave he was freed when the master died and left it in his will to free all his slaves, he, the master was a godly man. He had wrestled with owning slaves, and before he died, he left in his will that all his slaves be free. His sons honored that wish. So Bo was freed. Also in the will, Bo was given a piece of land. Bo was very dear to the master, and Bo's parents and family had all died. So Bo was a free black man with a farm. That oh, okay. And he actually turned into a small community of other free blacks. Wow. That was freed along with him from the Maitland farm and other blacks that he was purchasing with the intent to set them free. Wow. Yeah.
0: Now, now was Ruth, I don't want to tell a whole story, I know
1: it's hard not
0: to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to. I'm just curious as to how Ruth and Beau met, and, I, and my my guess is uh, that,
1: that that's in the very beginning, in the prologue. They met at that when she was on the auction block. He
0: he actually uh, bought her. He bought her. Okay, that was my guess. I was I was guessing that, but I said I wa I didn't know if they met later in the story. I didn't want to give that away if it was sort of like a cliffhanger.
1: Who are some that of the minor state that. Uh this story came out of two actually two things. I wanted to I I picked stories in the Bible and I sort of changed them into mm. a story, but it's actually a very different story but loosely based on the book of Ruth in the Bible. Okay. We Ruth and Boaz in the yes. Bible. Yes.
0: Okay. Who who are some of the minor characters? That readers are going to love in Ruth's Redemption, and what is it about these characters that helps to move the story forward?
1: There are there are a lot of characters actually. Some of the favorites will probably be Naomi and Mara. Who
0: is not? Na- who is Naomi? Is Ru- are, are Ruth's parents? Is Naomi is
1: both mother-in-law. She's his okay. first wife who died. She's his okay. first wife's mother. Okay. And she's sort of like the matriarchal character in the story. Okay. There's Ephraim, her husband. There's Myra, uh, another free slave that was raised with Booth on the Maitland farm. She was raised with Ruth? No, I mean, raised with both, excuse me. Raised oh, okay.
0: Okay. Okay. On the Maitland now, are, are
1: Ruth's parents
0: and both parents still living? In a, in a story. Um,
1: it's 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 left open about Ruth's parents. Okay. Um because she was taken from her mother. Mm. Ruth's parents and family and siblings are all dead.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Mm. How long did it take you me even before I ask you that question? I'm hoping that Ruth and Bo go have a wonderful relationship. Again, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know how the story is. I'm going to tell else. you to
1: read the book to find that out. <laughs>
0: okay. Oh, my goodness. I, this, I'm Ruth, Bo, you know, he's, he, his, his former plantation owner, because I don't think nobody can own a human being. His former plantation owner who owned, thought he owned land. You can't even do that. But he set them free because his conscience. He had a conscience, and he used it, and it worked on him. So he set them free. And Bo comes into land, which, you know, land even today is equivalent to having money. And he, and he, the fact that he built a community, that he actually buys slaves to set them free, is a very interesting twist that you put into Ruth's Redemption, which one that I appreciate. Uh, but so Ball, he's industrious. He's... he's 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 seeing the fruits of his labor. So he, he can go buy slaves, set the slave, slave free, build this community, and he can see the result of his efforts. Ruth, she's been stripped away from her family, and she's just been made to one guy after the next, just having sex with her. Maybe she thinks that's all men are good for at that point because that's all they're coming into her life for. And then um, she meets Bo. I am just so pulling for this woman to finally receive some real, true love. It's a real love
1: love story. I am just so pulling. It is is a touching love story, but it's not without its problems. I will say that. Um, There's a lot of romance. There's history, but there's also romance. And there's a lot of um, human issues, just issues about people and relationships. I write from a very psychological point of view.
0: Yeah, and then from what all she's gone through, you you couldn't just gloss it all over and make it be perfect. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do it. I think in good writing, it has to mirror real life as yeah. much as possible. How long did it take you to write Ruth's Redemption? And what was the process that that you used? Did you use an outline? Did you do character sketches? I mean, you're going back so far in time. How long did it take you to finished Roots Redemption. And what was the process like for you in actually creating this
1: story? It took me I would say about six months. Wow! Surprised! Everyone says that. But let me clarify that statement. It was a time when during that time I had had surgery. Okay. I was home, recuperating. I couldn't do much else. (laughs) But Stay home and write. So I could put a lot of hours into my writing, which we're talking six months, but we're talking eight to 12-hour days, right? Woo! And that's six days a week. So in de- in months and days, it might not sound like a lot, but in hours, it was.
0: Wow. Man, you, were really, you really put your head down <laughs> And you know what? I wonder. And that was after research. That's, not, what I was, that's what. Yeah, that's what I was going. Had you is that your first novel? Because I want to ask you if it's not your first, to, to do a little contrast. And I was going to ask you, could, do you think a, a writer can dig deeper into the heart of a story when they do focus? 8 to 12 hours a day And just really get deep Into the story Or Then they Then a writer could Just write maybe 1 to 2 hours a day
1: Well Ruth Was not my first Written story It's my first Published story Okay Um In contrast Ruth was my first Historical Romance This was my actual First try at writing A historical romance Okay Okay I had written previously, I had written um, Murder Mystery, I'd written Romance, I'd written um, Contemporary Romance, uh, Contemporary Murder, Contemporary humorous, ch- Contemporary Chicklet. So this was my first stab at historical. Okay. Now, um in terms of how you can do it best I think it's different for each person according to their lifestyle mm-hmm. to their ability um it depends on how you see what you want to do in other words if you focus better after just a couple of hours and then after two, a couple of hours you, you your mind starts wandering then you uh, okay ah, some people are like that Some people focus and zero in, and once they do, they're locked in for the long haul. That's the way I am. Okay. I focus, I zero in, and then I'm locked in because at that point, my goal is to finish what I started. Some people do better with the small increments of two hours, three hours here, four hours there. And if you're working a full-time job outside the home, that may be all the time that you have. Right. For me, I can focus better with the long stretches.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Do so you think an individual according to the person's attention span, according to their lifestyle?
0: Yeah, that's a good you know, and I actually was thinking the longer you could dig deeper into it, but you make a very good point. Each of us is different. So if you start to feel a lot of strain when you after like two or three hours and stop. But you said, and I think that was, yeah, whatever feels right for you. You don't want to make it a big strain. Because I've heard of other writers who literally just locked themselves away. And I'm going back years. When oh, the writers I've, wrote, done that. The classics. I've
1: done that. Yeah, and they just write. That's what I do. And, and basically when I get into serious writing, I call my friends and say, I'm in writing mode, don't call because I'm not asking, Wow. I don't want to talk on the phone. I don't want to. Wow. I don't want anybody. To, I closed that door. I remember telling my husband, "Look, if the house isn't on fire, don't knock." Oh no. my goodness! Don't yes, knock. I've don't knock. heard of writers. You pick my train of thought. Yes. And once you I get don't. into a character, and it depends also on what type of writing you're doing, because when I I've, I've, I've written a nonfiction. When you write nonfiction, it doesn't require as much for me as it does writing fiction. Writing fiction, I'm constructing characters. And when you construct characters, you get inside that person. Like I said, I write from a psychological point of view. So I get inside the mind of that character, inside the body. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm one of my characters' names is Ruby. I'm Ruby all of a sudden. So when I'm in Ruby, it's almost like acting. You're acting wow. on paper. I'm acting like Ruby. So if somebody calls me, talks to me, I jump out of Ruby because I'm back to Marlene. So now I have to work hard again after okay. the situation is over to get back into Ruby so that I can write what Ruby was feeling, what Ruby was thinking, what Ruby was doing. So okay. it's like a secondary form of acting in your mind. And you get into that world, and that expands for each character and to the whole um environment that you have written. This 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 world that you create on paper, you get into it. All of a sudden you're living in that town. You're dressing those clothes. And your mind clicks into that. And if you're if I need quiet. Some people write with music and all I have to have total quiet. What wow. something? And when I get into that mode, I'm in that town, I'm in that place, I'm that wow. place So when I'm there too much distraction, too much outside noise kicks me out of it. Once I'm okay. out of it, if I or if I walk away or go away to do something, then I have to come back, get back into it. Now usually I can write a paragraph and once I start rolling because I write in the Holy Spirit. It's not me writing, it's the Holy Spirit writing through me. And as as I start rolling into it, I get deeper, deeper, deeper into it.
0: Okay. Do you plan on writing a sequel? to Ruth's redemption uh, to show what happens later in, t- in their lives or in if they have children in any of their children or grandchildren's lives.
1: Well, I put an epilogue at the end of the story. There's an epilogue who sort of takes care of that. But you never know. <coughs> um, it may happen. I don't know. <coughs> at this point, I haven't planned to. Okay. But it hasn't be possible according to – because I can always – Write um, a novel elaborating on what the epilogue said. Yes, it's always possible. It depends on the readers. If they demand a sequel, I can
0: do it. Do you have any plans to publish any of the other novels that you've that you've um, that you've written? Now that you've gotten the experience of of publishing and marketing Ruth's Redemption.
1: Yes, my hope is to publish all of them. Okay. Um, I have two more novels coming out this year. Very good. Um, in June, June 1st, Son uh-huh. of a Preacher Man will be out.
0: Son of a Preacher Man?
1: Yes. Okay. And the sequel to Son of a Preacher Man will be out in October or November.
0: Wow.
1: Son of a Preacher Man is a historical romance also taking place in the 1920s in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. And it what, what- and it revolves around, like Ruth revolves, has the Nat Turner Rebellion as the true historical event, while Son of a Preacher Man has the Tulsa Race Riot as the true historical event.
0: Now, where is, is, is Ruth's Redemption? Is this set in Virginia? Virginia, in the the okay. area, around
1: okay. Southampton.
0: Okay, okay. I, I wanted to ask you, has novel writing... Has it always been your first love, or did you start out writing poetry, songs, etc.? And when did you start writing? When did you know you were a writer? How how old were you?
1: I was very young when I was bitten with the love of writing. I I, I loved reading, and I was so young I couldn't write cursive. I had to print out little stories. I am an innate storyteller. It's inbred in me. This is what God put in me. That's Mm -hmm. why I coined myself as God's author or God's storyteller. Okay. I was so young. I was in elementary school, but I couldn't even write cursive yet. And I used to read the little, they used to have, I guess they still have the golden books. And then yes. I had to write out my own little golden book story. Then when I got a little older and was reading Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, yes. I had to write out my own little Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys story on those black and white composition books. My parents used to buy them for me. I've always, even in um, elementary school, when we, used to give, we were given like ten spelling words a week, and at the end of the week you write a paragraph using these ten spelling words. Everybody else would just write. Duh, duh, duh. I wrote a little story. I got a story out of it. And I remember my fourth grade teacher says, We always get such a good story. She would make me read mine every week. <laughs> so that was in me from the beginning.
0: Okay. Wow. You, yeah, and, and I knew when I was a kid. But it is, some people, it's that later in their life, they're, when they when they start writing, and some people. It's when they're very, very young. And I wanted to congratulate
1: you. And I didn't write. As I got older and life happens, mm-hmm. there were long periods where I didn't write, but the love of it and reading was always there and I would always go back to it. Um, I never really considered it for a career or to do it professionally. It was just something I loved to do. Only in the last I would say fifteen years or so. Maybe eighteen that I decided that I wanted to take a stab at trying to do it professionally i um you asked me a question earlier about do I write outlines and characters mm-hmm. uh, I do none of that okay. i and and I don't recommend that because I say do it do it the right way because I'm probably doing it the wrong way I'm really self taught I didn't really have um instruction on how to write novels. I sort of just, like, whatever I could learn, I learned as I went, trial and error. And as I said, I write in the Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit hits me with a story, gives me a story, might give me a title. Sometimes I get the title first and the characters follow. Sometimes I get the characters first and the title will come later. Sometimes I get um, uh, just the beginning of a story. And then once I start writing, it flows, and it's like the story takes over. And I, you hear a lot of writers say that the story begins to write itself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, I have one idea. I I don't do outlines. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I start off with one idea, but once I start writing, a yes, the idea will come and the story oh, takes over.
0: Oh my a goodness!
1: Turn. you know what? I'm mean? I'm sure you know. Yes
0: about. I'm familiar with what you're talking about. And
1: it's so, so nice. I say the story writes itself, but I write in the spirit because the spirit leads me straight. I mean, I don't need all that outline and carrying on because the only thing that I do write sometimes, because I write what I call in a soap opera style. Mm-hmm. I grew up, they're fading away now, but I grew up in the age of soap operas. hmm I can remember my mother watching soap operas before I went to school. I can tell you what I saw on the television. <laughs> <laughs> she used to sit in my crib. And she. And one time I said, she said, wait a minute, you were in the crib when that when that happened on that. Side. How do you remember that? But she sat in my crib right in front of the television. Right. So she could see it <laughs> from the kitchen if she was cooking. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at this stuff, and I can tell you today. And people wow. say, how older people? Oh, cause I'm not that young. Older people say, do you remember that? How old were you then? I said, I think I was in the crib.
0: <laughs> wow. Oh, my it's, goodness. It's
1: so a opera style of storytelling. And I write usually with a main plot, but I have a lot of little subplots going on in the story, which you will find in Ruth's Redemption, Son of the Preacher Man, and Greenwood and Archer, which is my third book.
0: Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um,
1: Congrats! Oh, thank, Congra- you. thank
0: you. Congratulations on landing Moody Publishers for oh, Read Redemption. Oh, what was the Jesus, process Jesus. like?
1: Nothing but Jesus. That's all I okay.
0: can okay. What was the process like for for off-the-shelf listeners who themselves are aspiring to land a publisher or a literary agent? What was that process like of landing a publisher
1: for you? The process was long. It didn't happen overnight. It was mm. long and grueling, frustrating. But very rewarding in the end, and my one word is persistent. Ah. don't give up.
0: Yeah, and I would say that was it. A, were you were you marketing shopping your manuscript for? Would you say six months, a year, before you actually got it picked up?
1: You're talking about Ruth in particular, or other? Yeah, ones?
0: Ruth, Re- Ruth
1: Redemption. Redemption. How long
0: were you shopping the story before it got picked up?
1: Well, I had a literary agent. Okay. And it took me years to even get a literary agent, but I had a very good literary agent at Heartline Literary Agency. And Diana actually, um, I did, we didn't shop. She gave it to Moody, and they snapped it up.
0: Wow. So the process, the long process, was landing the literary agent. I know you're also the director well, after
1: of... Actually, after I got the literary agent, it was almost three years before we got... Oh. Now Ruth, well, she because I, I had my other things. She was trying to submit my she was she was submitting my other things to other publishers, and I still got a lot of rejections with the agent for almost three years. I got mm. it took a long time. It's it's it, it's a very grueling process. Like I said, it didn't happen overnight. It took years to get the agent. Then it took years after that to get this first publishing deal.
0: Wow, you were persistent. You were
1: persistent.
0: You're also uh, the um, director of ministry at Lifeline Mission of the Gospel. When you write, Marlene, do you also aim to minister to readers, and if so, in what ways?
1: Yes, I do. And let me make a correction. The uh, name of the ministry has been changed to Straight Gate Narrow Way.
0: Christian oh, okay. Um, okay.
1: But it's the, same, it's the same thing you're talking about. Yes, I do minister. Someone told me. I like the story, but it's too preachy. And um, I do minister through my writing, and that is my ministry, writing.
0: Okay. Okay. So I want
1: what I say, messages that I put out um, are messages that I would if I were a pulpit preacher. Okay. Similar messages to what I would say from a pulpit. But I'm not a pulpit preacher. I'm a writer. I'm awesome.
0: What steps, uh, Marlene, are you taking to spread the word, to get the word out about Ruth's redemption? There are so many, you know, it's good with the different formats that authors can, writers can publish their works in with the digital. You can do PDF, you can do ebook for various different ebook readers, you can do um, uh, print, you can do print on demand, you can go through a, a traditional publisher, you can self publish. There's just so many ways, and there's so many more books coming out. Although I'm finding a lot of the books are coming out in either like the vampire type sci-fi books or you got a lot of street lit out that's, that's mm-hmm. really popular right now. That being said, the the market is, I think, more, it's always been crowded, but I think even more so now than it was previously because you've got, years ago it was just traditional publishers that just were vying for Bits of the market with between each other. Now it's them plus a, a brevi of um, self-published authors. Absolutely. What steps are you, yeah. What steps are you taking, Marlene, to spread the word about Ruth's Redemption and to build a reader base for your 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 for Ruth's Redemption and your future books?
1: Well, uh, Moody has a marketing department. Lift Every Voice Books has its own marketing people. So basically, they strategize a marketing plan for the books. I follow their suit, but I also do things on my own. Like I had a um, radio interview on Gospel Highway 11. Yes. On the 18th. Okay. With my um, church, they have that spot, uh, Bethel Deliverance. Okay. Okay. And I do things, and I get certain. And my agent, she, she helps also. She's got me interviews also, blog interviews. So um, basically I follow what, they're, what they tell me to do or what they have for me to do, and I expand on whatever they do.
0: Okay. Because I've heard of Moody. They've been around for quite a number of years. Ha- has the actual experience of being a published author, Who is now out promoting and marketing your own works, her own works? Has that met with your dream of what you thought it would be like? And if not, you know, because I ask this question to a lot of off-the-shelf guests. I say, has the process of actually publishing a book is? Most writers say that's the easy part. Is has that, and then you got to market and promote it because you got to sell the book. Has that process for you? matched up with what your dreams of what that would be like when you published? Have they matched up? Are they the same? And if they are not, how has the actual experience of publishing and promoting and marketing a book
1: differed from what you thought it would be like? It is different because, like most people who don't know the business, I had very unrealistic expectations you don't know, and things look very different from the outside. When mm-hmm. But once I start to learn the business, to learn how the publishing industry operated, um, I begin to get a more grounded view of what it was going to be like. And so by the time Ruth's Redemption was picked up, I had a fairly reasonable idea of what it was going to be like. Also, my agent was very good at teaching me what to expect and what not to expect. So I would say initially it was not the same, but it grew to be the same by the time I actually got a book deal, and I give okay. God story for that, that he slow-walked me like he did, as excruciating as it was. <laughs> he slow-walked me so that, I would have a very reasonable expectation and understand that this is hard work. People think you just sit down at a typewriter. Now I'm aging myself, aren't I? You sit down at a computer and just type out a story and hand it to someone. And, And this is what people think, and I'm sure you can verify this. This is what people think who have never tried it. That you hand your your manuscript to someone and it gets published and boom you're very wealthy.
0: I got to tell you, when I came into the industry and I and I've been writing since I was ten, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going back. I'm going back over thirty years. I've been yeah. writing for over thirty years. Yeah, I thought it was just just you write a story and and you hand it to a publisher and everybody in the world loves it. yes. When I got my first
1: rejection letter, I cried. (gasps) Oh, I cried like a pig. (laughs) But it's, and I tell people that's one of the first things you better learn. Check that ego at the door when you walk into the publishing industry because your feelings will be hurt.
0: You mm. worked so
1: hard on a manuscript. Yes. About your heart, blood, sweat, and tears, hours and hours. Because I can remember the first book I wrote, which was a nonfiction. I would I would come home from work, stay up to 2 and 3, fall asleep at the computer. Mm. I was so sleepy and then had to be back at work at 9 o'clock in the morning. So check your ego at the door and be prepared to work hard. Yes. This is not an easy thing like people think it is. Most no creative arts are not. It no. looks easy because you know what? We're good and we make it look easy, but mm. it's not. It's yes. not easy psychologically. It's not physically hard, but psychologically and mentally, it will work you.
0: Yeah. It. It. You. You. Oh, my goodness! And the promoting and the marketing and the negotiations and the contracts and the traveling and the yeah it it all it, of that. all of that. you better you better you better love more than writing a good story, yeah you, you better like the hustle That's,
1: too, yeah, yeah, what, I mean it takes work, it takes dedication, it takes devotion it takes really wanting to do this thing, really wanting to 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 give the time to it, being willing to give the time to it. Yes. being willing to learn and take the criticism. I mean, the psychological impact alone is hard. It's like yeah, and you do all of this and somebody tells you it's not good enough. Yeah.
0: yeah and now you, you know have
1: what? To bounce back from that slam, from that from that um psychological slam and say, Okay. Let me look and see, and this is how I taught myself. I learned from rejections if they were willing to tell me what was wrong with a manuscript, then I would work on it and try to yes it. and that's how I learned to get better and better and better and better and and I'm going to be honest. I pray that I'm a good writer, but I know there's a whole lot of good writers out of there, wow. And a whole lot that's probably better than me as good if not better. But it takes more than that Yes. To take it in this business. It takes persistence. It takes yes. You have to put time and effort, and like you said, in more than just writing the story. It starts with writing the story. Yes. It's finding an agent, finding a publisher, marketing your work, being yes. willing to do what they tell you to do. Because a lot of things, you know, I'm not a marketing person. I'm really not a marketing person. You know, they say most creatives, most they
0: want most artists just want to create, and
1: that's, a lot of
0: artists. I've even heard musicians say they love making music, they love performing on stage. It's the business side of it they're not crazy about. But if you want, you have to get your work out there
1: so people know about it. If you want to <laughs> make money, if you now, if you just want to write and and hand it out to your friends, fine. But if you want to make money. You have to get into that marketing business piece yes. of the industry, and it's yes. not fun, and it it can be hard work. But yeah, and the payoff is the payoff is worth it if you. Stick yeah, and then if you also make up
0: the payoff. For me, I know when I used to hit the road a lot, the big payoff for me was just meeting the meeting the readers. Oh, I can't tell you what a gift that was is for me. To connect with a reader is just—I—I yeah. I can't even—it's matchless. So for me, that was just a big payoff. Again, you know, treating people like we're humans and and not dollar signs, and even when doing social media, to really just want to get to know a person and not always want them to buy you—you you want them to buy your book, but even if they don't, you're willing to engage in some type of a, of a social connect. A relationship, however brief with them.
1: Absolutely. To me, that's a
0: big, that's a big payoff as well.
1: Now, what one have of the things you... that anchored me and held me together was when I realized that this was not, this was not really about me. This was not just me. That it was the hand of God that was going to work this thing. Mm-hmm. So that's some of the weight off of me. Mm-hmm. I still had my part to do. I still had to work hard and do what I was going to do, but. Ultimately, I say, it's the favor of God that's going to break this thing or make it. Mm. I don't credit. it. I just do what I'm told. I tell. I, I have a saying. I say, this is Christ's banquet. I'm just sitting at the table.
0: Wow.
1: I'm working what? for the kingdom. I have a kingdom message in everything I write, be it contemporary, lit, or whatever. I write for God. I am his author. And this is his banquet. Okay. So what what I, I do what I'm supposed to do, but it will be his his play.
0: Okay. What have you learned about yourself while creating Roose Redemption that you didn't know
1: before you sat down to write the book? Um, I would say that history could be turned into beautiful stories. Mm. I, was, I always had a, a slight interest in historical events, mm-hmm. but um, I always wrote contemporary, and for some reason I always thought a historical would be too hard, too much work. So okay. I learned about myself that I could do it. Uh-huh. I could do that and that I didn't have to cubbyhole myself into one particular type of writing. I say, I say that I want to be the Sammy Davis Jr. I don't know how old you are, but the last time I said this to a young man who was 24 years old, he he said, who's Sammy Davis Jr.? I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know Girl, what you're talking you, about. You must be I know old. What you're talking about. The Candyman can. <laughs> yeah, I, and I couldn't believe it because in my generation – you don't know who Sammy Davis and, and, and oh, oh, yeah. He was all the years. people around yeah. him was like, you don't know who Sammy Davis But he really didn't. Yeah, he and he, was, he you. was a Caucasian young man, too. But still, my girlfriend, her black daughter, she said, well, she might have to think a minute or two before she remember who he is. But anyway, getting back to the topic, I say I would like to be the Sammy Davis Jr. of the literary world. Okay. He, he did it all.
0: He yes. could
1: sing. He could dance. He could yes. do impressions, He was a nightclub act. He was an actor. Yeah. He was on yeah. Broadway. He was in the movies, on television. Yeah. He did it all. Well, that's the way I want my career to be. I want to write mysteries. I want to write love stories. I want to write historicals. I want to write contemporaries. I want to write an epic. I want to do it all. I don't want to be cubbyholed into just writing one type of thing. Okay. I want to Historicals, the contemporary, all types of writing, and I okay. hope, and I hope I do it well.
0: Good for you, Marlene. Good for you. As we come down to the last six minutes of today, so I wanted to ask you, say to you first, your book cover. It, I think it effectively captures the period again, the 1800s that Ruth's Redemption, the story is set in. Who designed your cover, and did you have any input on the final, the final cover?
1: Um, um, Lift every voice moody they did, they designed the cover i thought so i liked it also they did show it to me and they did ask for my input
0: oh okay that's good so if they, if you wanted to make a few changes you yeah. you could you could do so
1: Definitely. do yeah. you as a matter of fact um i did make several suggestions and they took all of them
0: oh great that is really that's good cuz sometimes the, the the publisher won't do that but that that's very good that they did this to you. And, and, that's
1: one and, good thing about them. They work together as a team. Okay. We all work together as a team because we all wanted this to be a quality product.
0: Okay. Do you – the Civil War is a very um, – I mean, all around the country, they have the reenactments. I know I covered one for a newspaper at the Chamonix, uh Park uh, here outside of uh, Ben Salem, but – it's, it's huge, the Civil War. Do you now or do you plan on incorporating some speaking events, maybe where you speak at, at Civil War reenactments, et cetera, to help market your book?
1: I have no plans um, to do that, actually. Well, actually, Ruth's Redemption is pre-Civil War. It's about 37 years before the Civil War. Okay. So I really have no plans to, but if I'm invited, I would certainly come. Okay. Can you tell us about some other spots on
0: your either your book tour if it's still ongoing or any upcoming uh radio, any type of um internet chats, any type of speaking events, uh book club chats that you're going to be participating in if you could give us the location and the date and the time so off the shelf listeners can support you?
1: I um I don't have anything happening in the month of May, which is unusual. This will be the first month coming up that I haven't had anything. Everything has pretty much happened from February to now. Okay. And May is winding down. I do, however, have a workshop at the Lancaster's Christian Writers Workshop in Liddick, Pennsylvania. Okay. It's on the 16th of June. All right. However, my second book comes out June 1st. So right now we're shifting everything for that Okay Which I will be talking about Both Ruth And Son of a Preacher Man Okay um, I think everything They're scheduling now They're sort of Quelling for May Giving me a breath And then we kick off For June For Son of a Preacher Man
0: Wow And then hopefully that, As you come out With new books It'll pick up You just keep Picking up steam Picking up steam Picking up yeah, steam Yeah and when I
1: go From one thing to the other I'm going to just talk About all of them
0: There you go there you go. Where where can off the shelf listeners get copies of Bruce
1: Redemption? You can get copies um, at any major book distributor, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon dot com, um, Walmart. Now I'm not sure if Walmart has it in the store, but I know Walmart has it online. You can go mm-hmm. on at those places, or you can go into the stores. If the stores don't have it, please ask them, and they'll order it for you.
0: Yeah, I always tell people that if you don't see the book on the shelf and you want it, you don't you don't have to walk out thinking well they don't have it. They can order it from one of the large distributors yeah. like Ingram or Baker and Taylor. Just tell them I want to get Ruth's Redemption by Marlene Banks. They can order it for you. They'll Absolutely. call you and let you know when it when it's in, and you can come and pick it up. It,
1: Books a million. Um, you can also go online at uh, Lift Every Voice Books. You can order it from there, and they'll, I think they kick you over to Amazon though. Um, if, if, go ahead. Um, any major book distributor has it at okay. this point. You can get it electronically also.
0: Okay. We, we, we've we got less than two minutes, and I wanted to ask, if somebody wanted you to speak at an organization they were
1: affiliated with, how should they contact you? You can go to my website, com, and you can make a request. Email me with the request and give me your contact information, and I'll get back to you and we can set something up. Okay. So just go to your website. Can you give us the URL again, please? Marlenebanks.com. Just type in Marlenebanks.com.
0: Marlenebanks.com. Marlenebanks.com. Just go into, get her contact, send her your name, your information, where you, the name of the event you wanted to speak at, the date, time, etc. And then she'll get back with you.
1: Certainly will. If and also you can um follow me on Facebook, um, author Marlene Banks. And I'm on Shout Life. Okay. Are you on are you on any eventually other I'll social eventually I'll get on Twitter, but I haven't had the nerve to brave the Twitter warders yet, but I think by the time um Son of a Preacher Man is out, I've gotten my nerve up for Twitter. So Facebook and
0: Shout Life, those are the social media networks where you can find Marlene Banks. Just put in Arthur Marlene Banks on Facebook, and then at Shout Life, you can look her up there as well. And, again, her website is Marlene, M-A-R-L-E-N-E-B-A-N-K-S. Again, that's M A R l e n e b a n k s dot com you check her out there. We just have a few seconds left again, please go support Ruth's redemption by Marlene banks. If you don't see it in the bookstore, just ask the club for it they can order from you for you from the distributors. It's in print book form and it's also in ebook form and you can also learn more about our books her excerpts and Marlene by visiting her website at marlenebanks.com and please go pick up a copy of my new book Love Pour Over Me and it will be out in print in a couple of weeks it is now out in digital format or ebook format oh i'm to also get a that, that sounds interesting i'm getting that oh you can also get a, a pdf copy of Love Pour Over Me so please please uh, give Marlene Banks your support, Roose Redemption, and I would absolutely love your support for Love Pour Over Me. If you go out and grab a copy today, you can get a copy right there at your computer, same way as you can for Roose Redemption. Thank you so much, Marlene, for being here with us. Thank you to our many, many for off-the-shelf me. listeners. We appreciate those of you who make a point of tuning in every Saturday. And for those of you who catch off-the-shelf throughout the week, because the shows stay up 24-7, so you can get lots and lots of listeners and you can listen to the shows over and over and the shows that are in the archive as well. I wish you so much success, Marlene. It's been a pleasure interviewing and connecting with you, and I wish you tremendous success with with each of your books. I to wish all of
1: you success with yours also.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. To all of our listeners, remember you're so incredibly valued and so truly blessed. Go out and create a marvelous day for yourself today. See you back here next Saturday, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Bye for now. Marlene, I'll shoot you an email.